you know, I, I didn't have, I had community, but I didn't have the, I didn't have as much community as I needed. And I was feeling with suddenly kids are at home, husband's at home. I'm used to working at home solo. I'm not used to having and a new puppy. It was just, I felt like my world was shrinking Mm -hmm. and I didn't have anything for myself. And so raw was a wonderful way to say, okay, for the next 60 minutes, this door behind me is closed. (laughs) Unless the building is on fire, you know, I am not to be interrupted. You're listening to the Wise Women Podcast, season four, episode 148. I'm your host, Alicia Wilford, founder of Yoke and Abundance, coach to entrepreneurs, creatives, and seekers. This podcast introduces you to women on their journey to flourishing businesses and lives. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with Liz Summers. Welcome back on the show today. I am sharing my conversation with Liz Summers. She is a member of our raw community. She's a supportive friend and the founder and president of Advancing Leadership Consulting. I can't wait to share this interview with you after a word from our sponsor. Viking Co. is a progressive boutique consulting firm that works with entrepreneurs, startups, small to medium-sized companies, and larger organizations to cultivate a place where people love coming to work. With a focus foremost on diversity, inclusion, belonging, and equality, Viking Co. pushes business leaders to push the boundaries of what a great workplace environment means and is for all of their employees. If you're starting from scratch with a small team or if you're looking to grow your current team, Viking Co. can help you to scale your business in a way that adds to the bottom line while boosting engagement. From talent acquisition, onboarding, and compensation to HR compliance, performance management, and employee relations, Viking Co. has worked with more than 50 companies across the country and worldwide in various stages of growth. If you're looking for strategic guidance on people programs or interim people leadership, contact Viking Co. Your people will thank you. Liz Summers, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Alicia, thank you so much. It's so great to be here with you. It is wonderful to finally get you on the show. I've been looking forward to this forever, forever. (laughs) Me too. Thank you. So can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what keeps you busy in this great, big, beautiful world? Sure. And I just want to say, I love that introduction. That question is so much better than what do you do professionally or you know, how do you spend your time? What do you do? And I think that's, that's wonderful. I, let's see, how do I want to answer that? I am a mom to a 13 year old, almost 14 year old teenager, Lauren, um, wife of 30 years to Mike, uh, we met in college and living right now in Pennsylvania. And my business is advancing leadership consulting, which is all about really helping folks find themselves and be the best leader they can be, whatever that is. Most of that is with groups generally um, and group facilitation. I love helping people find that aha moment that, oh yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, 
So I've been here in Pennsylvania for a couple of years and getting settled. I grew up in Florida, so I'm this is my first foray into the Northeast. So it's mm. different, <laughs> but good. Yeah. And you and I met what feels like a very long time ago. Yes. In a whole different world, but through Leadership Greensboro. So huge shout out to the work of Leadership Greensboro, which I know you were involved in for a number of years. I was, and it was one of the best things. I've always told people it's one of the best things I did when I I, um, graduated in 05, so a few years ago. And that experience was one of the best things I ever did, personally or professionally. And I highly recommend it to anyone. It's amazing. And then I got to come back full circle. Um, Sarah Arnett and I, my friend and colleague, were able to um, be adjunct faculty for that for three years, which was so amazing because when I had participated in it, I was thinking, wow, I want to do what they did. And then I actually had the chance. So I have um, only wonderful things to say about Leadership Greensboro. It was great. Yeah. And so when you were facilitating as adjunct when when I was there and you were helping us, we did a set disc assessments, which, oh my God, I love the disc assessment. You know, I fall somewhere between an I and a D, depending on what okay. situation I'm in. Right, um, right, right. And, you know, it was just so cool to have that insight about ourselves and that insight about how we work with others based on that information. And exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what you, that is your work. And that's probably your work with a capital W, would you say? I, th- I think so. And I, and I, I will tell you, I've always been, I've always been fascinated by leadership and had different roles throughout college and early years and what have you. And it wasn't until it was in leadership Greensboro, um, Bill Lina was the facilitator at the time. And we did a different assessment at the time that was called the SDI. And it had 20 questions, and I had never taken an assessment that I feel just pegged me so well. I couldn't believe that after just 20 questions, this report appeared, and it was as if they were inside my head, and it was amazing. And I was so moved by it that I reached out to him the next day, and I said, I want to learn more about this. I was currently had a full-time job, was working with the Arts Council, and but just thought I need to know more about this. And so had coffee with him, learned more about it. Later that year, I went and got, I got certified in the assessment because it just was so powerful to me. And so I love helping other people have that same experience because it really, it just was transformative for me. So sort of set me, I think that's where it sort of fully launched me on that path um, at the time. So you are a business owner. Yes. How did you come to that path of entrepreneurship? It's a great question. I think, um, well, really, we had decided, Mike and I had, we were in the uh, process of adoption. And uh, I had always decided that I was, it was later in the process for me, even though we got married really young. I mean, I had just turned 23. Lauren didn't come along until I was 39. And so we'd made the decision that I would take a year off when she arrived so that I could have that year. So was excited about that. And then once, although that was a huge shift after working for 20, you know, some odd years professionally, and then to being a stay at home mom was not, that was a huge shift 
that was um, so much of my identity was in my work and what I did. And so that was, that's a whole nother conversation. But um, I think I just decided once that happened that I really didn't want to nest. I wanted more flexibility and I wanted to be able to do what I, it just, it clarified some, some things for me and I wanted to have more flexibility and I felt like I'd waited this long for parenthood and motherhood. And so I wanted to be able to enjoy as much of that as well as still doing what I enjoyed and doing what I loved. And um, so that was sort of the entree. I sort of thought, I don't know that I want to work for anybody else, but I had never thought about entrepreneurship before then, really until then. Mm. So then how did you end up, what was the spark that helped you create your business? Mm. It was, that's a really good question. I don't know that it was one thing. I think it was a, as so many things, right? You get signs from different places or uh, yearnings or pullings or things of that, 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 that sort of lead you there. I just started to play around in my mind and thought, okay, it was problem solving. Okay. I don't necessarily want to go work with someone else and I'd like to do my own thing, but what does that thing look like? And what do I do? And I remember trying, you know, sort of coming up with a name and thinking about that. And I remember um, Donna Burek, who's in Greensboro. um, I had a session with her and said, what do you think about this name? And what do you think? And she said, you know, it feels really good energy. I think it's great. And I just sort of, I sort of went into it blindly. Honestly, I did not I was not as intentional as I probably could have been. And as others have been, I have other friends who, you know, took that same amount of time maybe and really were very intentional, whereas I sort of backed into it, (laughs) which there's not a right or wrong way to do it. I just, that's sort of how I did it. I sort of said, let's build the plane while we fly it. Um, So I don't know that there was one particular thing, but it was also about, okay, I know I want, this is the kind of thing I want to do. Now let's figure out how to go do that. And it wasn't a straight line, like so many other things in life. It was not, I didn't just put out a shingle and then suddenly I had consulting clients. I actually did smaller projects. I was fortunate enough to work with Denny Kelly and the folks at Bouvier Kelly doing some PR work because I have a communications background. And so that was a way for me to be working while also building my business. And so it was slowly and surely. And then I was fortunate to have been in Greensboro for a long time. So I so I had a lot of built-in connections and I had a chance. I had friends who were willing to give me a shot, which was really nice. And then it just slowly, you know, I was very lucky and things, you know, one thing led to another and it germinated over time. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm really curious in your work, I mean, it's advancing leadership. So you're working with people on leadership and that's such a, it's such a broad spectrum of things that we could be talking about and working on. I'm really curious, what are some of the major themes that you see folks grappling with over and over and over again in this realm? That's a great question. And leadership is so many different things, right? And yet so much of it, one of the themes that constantly comes up is just communication, (laughs) both with other people, how we're perceived. You know, you think about communication, it's about one party sending a message to the other party, right? It's so simple, right? We, we have, we, we send a message. It's like playing ball, right? Someone throws the ball, someone catches the ball. However, if it were that simple, (laughs) you know, it's not that simple. There's so many things. And so I think 
communication and how people communicate with one another is so much of leadership because if you're an effective communicator you can be you can get more accomplished you know you can influence others and encourage others and what have you so if you're not a good communicator it makes it really hard to maybe meet your goals whatever those are for a, an organization of 10,000 people or for you yourself just you and yourself so i think communication and i think i really do believe in knowing yourself well enough to leverage your strengths one of the things about early on with the SDI was it talked about strengths and challenges. I really, and I, I buy into that. I don't like to think about it as strengths and, and weaknesses because really it's about, there are certain innate things that we're good at that, that we're, you know, that we have an, an affinity for, right? We can get better, but we have an affinity for. And yet, and there are other things that you can learn over time. There are people who are terrified to public speak and yet can do lots of training and become really good public speakers. But I don't like to think of it as weaknesses just because we can't all be good at everything. And so there are areas we're really good and some other areas that we're challenged. And a lot of times it's that double-edged sword. It's an overdone strength, right? So I think confidence, for instance, we might, I think you and I would agree that confidence is a great characteristic, right? That's, it's a good thing to have. But if you're overly confident, you become arrogant and that's not a good thing. If you're trusting, you know, hopefully you work in an environment or have relationships with people. It's very trusting. If you're too trusting, you can become a doormat. You know, you can become someone will take advantage of you. So a lot of times, you know, if you love to talk, that's great. You could be an overtalker. If you love to help, you could be smothering someone else in your effort to help. So so I think a lot of it is just knowing yourself and what your tendencies are so you can maybe avoid some of the pitfalls because once you recognize, but you have to recognize what they are. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, it's so interesting because I work with frontline workers in a healthcare setting. I work with C-suite people. And even though some of the material is a little different, a lot of it is the same. It's around that self-awareness and communication. So sometimes it's as simple as that. And yet it's it's simple, but not easy. As we know, communication is not simple. Do you see a difference between the challenges that face women and the challenges that face men when it comes to leadership? Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you see and observe? Right. I think, gosh, we could talk all day about that. And I don't know from the man's perspective, so I can't speak to that. So I don't want to, you know, I can just share my own perspective. I think like so many things, I think, you know, a lot of the studies show that, for instance, men will go for the promotion, even if they don't have all the qualifications, whereas the women, they feel like they have to have all the qualifications before they can even apply. And I, I think, I, you know, it's just maybe that level of confidence sometimes and because I think men and women, not always is the generality, but often have a different approach. And some of us are real drivers and some of us are more soft-spoken. And sometimes, you know, one is considered, it depends on the culture of the organization and things of that nature, but I think it is different. And I think women, and this is not true of all women, but I think a lot of working women are also carrying the extras as of the worries, maybe. It's not to say that the men aren't thinking about it as well, but whether it's the family responsibilities, meaning parents or siblings or um, children or just the other community kinds of things. Now, there, and I don't, 
as I say that, I, you know, there's, there are plenty of men who are very involved and hands-on and they're fabulous and they're involved in their communities too. But I, I do feel like the women traditionally, many women that I've encountered are carrying both. They feel like they have to be that. I mean, we don't make as much on the whole usually as men. So we're working harder to make less money and we're often carrying some of those extras. So, and I also think from leadership, it's different because I think women sometimes, I don't want to say have a softer approach, but maybe take in the relationship part a little bit more sometimes than men do. Whereas men, and those again, these are huge generalities. But um, when I think about that, sometimes that's some of the, some of the difference I, not all the time, but often see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things, because I'm lucky enough to know you, and one of the things that you're really good at reminding us and talking about is be careful not to hit the wall. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about your, are you comfortable sharing a little bit about your story of a time you've hit the wall? And oh, sure. And what you talk about around that? And then I'll have some follow-up questions for you, but this is something that I think you speak to really well. Well, I think you have to, unfortunately, sometimes we all have to hit a wall sometimes to get our attention. And it's, I've had this conversation with other people. Why is it that we don't take the good advice? (laughs) Why do we have to hit our own wall? But sometimes we do. Back in 99, I was working at the radio station, had um, put in my resignation and was kind of in a, at the time it was sort of a, toxic situation. So I was ready to go, but I hadn't left yet. And that was stressful for me because I'd never, I didn't have another job. I'd never, I'd never quit anything. I was very much type A, you know, I was first born. I was, you know, top of my class, you know, yada, 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 all those things. So the idea of quitting a job, you know, quitting a good job, don't have something else was kind of crazy. And fortunately at the time I was able to do that because I was married and we had the income so so that that helped a little bit too. But it was in September and I was, so I was very feeling very unmoored getting ready to, I had this job, but I was closing things out with clients and handing off clients to other salespeople. And that was just interesting and weird. And I had signed up for um, an Avon breast cancer walk, which at the time they did 60 miles in three days. And that was going to, I was going to leave my job, finish up and then join a friend and go to Atlanta to do that. And in the midst of all that in September, um, my parents were living in the Bahamas at the time and Hurricane Floyd, which is a category five hurricane hit their island. And my mom wasn't there, but my dad was there at the time. And so all this is coming together. I'm getting ready to go do this walk. I'm finishing my last week of work. Um, I'm going to be unemployed for the first time in, you know, whenever since college. And I hadn't heard from my parents to know that my dad was okay. And they had a, their island is only seven miles long and yet they had a direct hit. So the eye went over their island. So it was really terrifying. So I remember it was a Wednesday because I got called out of a staff meeting to um, get a phone call. And my dad was on a satellite. I can't remember it was my mom. Somebody was on a satellite phone telling me my dad was okay, which was just an answered prayer. I didn't get any more details. I just knew he was alive, basically. And I remember hanging, hanging up the phone and just taking a moment. But literally, that's all I took because I was supposed to go give a presentation in my sales meeting. So I just sort of like took you know, I didn't know not, I didn't know how to do anything else. So I just sort of went, whoo, okay. And then went and did my sales presentation and then 
went into, you know, got on the road and drove to Atlanta to go do this walk. And so I never, I never slowed down. I never paused because I didn't know how to, I'd never, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what to do. And so, and I had this plan, I had, was planning to do this walk. And so of course we're going to do this walk. Of course we're going to do this. And I was very excited. was doing it with a dear friend of mine, Jane. And, um, it was also a very emotional, I don't know if anybody's ever participated in one of those, but you've got all these breast cancer survivors and I had not been touched by breast cancer personally, but certainly knew of people who had, and it's very emotional. You're with survivors there, they're walking for somebody and I'd I'd raised money, you know, part of to get in was to raise this money. And so I had all these people that I felt were depending on me to walk these 60 miles and long and short of it, I got severely dehydrated on the last day. And I did all the right things, but I wasn't listening to my body along the way. And Oprah talks about how we get whispers and then we get pebbles and then we get rocks and then we get the brick wall. And unfortunately, I had the brick wall. And the fact that a couple miles short of the race, I realized I could not continue. And that was I felt like I was failing all the myself, the friend who was walking with me, all the people who had paid money from, you know, sponsored me. And I had to get uh, taken in the sweet vehicle, you know, the van that comes around and picks up the people. Um, and oh my gosh, I just, I cried the ugly cry. And I remember this poor person was just, I'm sure he was like, oh my gosh, she's losing it. You know, ah! and um, he's going, it's okay. It's okay. And they took me to the medical tent and I thought things were okay. And then I, you know, they're trying to give me bananas and um, I remember, and, and liquid, of course, and, you know, Gatorade and stuff. And I remember I really wanted to finish. I wanted to be at the finish line because they built up this whole thing about the end finish line. And I had to be carried to the finish line. I had two people on either side holding my elbows because I couldn't walk, right? And then I'm feeling the people pleaser in me is going, oh my gosh, all these people think I'm a survivor. And that has not, that's not, I'm getting this attention because I'm getting this help. Anyway, so... We get on the bus after it's finished. We get on the bus to go back to where our car is parked. And I'm on the bus and God got me off or the universe, whatever you want to say, got me off that bus because I had to get sick and there was not a bathroom on the bus. So I got off the bus and I'm on my hands and knees, you know, on the ground. And when you're dehydrated, your brain starts going really slowly. Um, It's just everything. I remember looking over two things. I see a backpack on the ground and I remember telling somebody, you better move that backpack because... I can't move that back, but I'm about to get sick on your backpack. And I also remember seeing the ambulance across the field and someone saying, do you, we want to go get some help? And I remember thinking, I don't want all that attention. No, I don't need all that. I don't, I don't want all that. So my cousin lived in Atlanta and we had planned to stay with him that night. And so my friend Jane called him and he came to pick us up and decided to take me to the hospital to make sure to get checked out, whatever help I needed. And while I was there, he dropped me off thinking he's going to come back. They're going to give me fluids and come back in an hour. And he comes back an hour later to find out, I have no memory of this, that I've had a seizure and they've put me in the cardiac care unit because they're afraid I'm going to have a heart attack. So fortunately, I did not. But all of that to say, that was my brick wall because I just didn't know how to slow down. I had always been go, 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 go. I just didn't. I was type A. I did not know to stop and process, to feel the feels. I didn't know. And so I was in the hospital for, I guess, a couple, just a couple days. But what I put my, you know, my parents had just come through this hurricane. My mom was feeling terrible. She couldn't come because they were in the midst of all their stuff. Mike had to fly. I can't remember if he flew or drove down. You know, I put all these people through 
lots of stuff too. But for me, it was a real wake up call. I had to realize, okay, this is the brick wall. This is what happens when you don't listen to your body. Your body will stop you in your tracks, literally, if you don't pay attention to the signals along the way. And I don't think that I didn't, it's not that I didn't do anything right at the walk. It was all that happened before. That was just the icing on the, on the cake. So yeah, that was my brick wall. It was your body saying, what are you doing? Yeah. That was my body saying, you can't, you can't, you just can't. Um, And I just kept thinking, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Which there's a part of you. Yes. That you need to overcome things and what have, you know, there's, tenacity and resilient, you need that. But I had never, I had certainly never been stopped in my tracks like that before. And it, you know, fortunately it got my attention. So yeah, it was a real lesson to me in you've got to pay attention. You've got to slow down when things happen. It's, you know, it's okay to process it. It's okay to not finish all 60 miles, you know, things like things like that too, that I had not allowed myself to think were okay. So looking back, like with the gift of hindsight retrospect, can you see what the whispers and the pebbles were in that situation? I think so, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, not, I didn't need to go back to that sales meeting. I needed to just, you know, process all, because I'd had all this I didn't realize it, but all this fear and anxiety that had built up and finally I had the release, but I, it wasn't that I could just let it go. It had been a scary couple of days. You know, there was a lot to that. And I didn't really process all the emotions of leaving this job. I could later, I could see that, but at the time I just kind of was like, we just don't talk about that. We won't worry about that. So, so I think it was, there were little things Mm. that now I know to pay attention to if something's really bothering me or what have you. So, so there were little things. And then on the walk, the one, maybe it was our second day. It was really cold, unseasonably cold in the morning and you've packed up all your stuff. So we didn't have, I didn't have a a jacket. I didn't, it was just, it was really cold. And um, just the fact that I felt like I said, it really happened even before I got to the walk, but there were things along the way that I, that I just, I could have maybe walked slower. I could have, you know, I, I I didn't have to charge so hard at everything. I think that's what I had to learn, that it was okay to slow down. It was okay to pause. Cause I, but I just had never, I didn't know how to do that. How does that inform you now? Well, I won't say that everything that I'm, I've learned from my lesson and I never have to think about that anymore. I would love to, you'd think I would, right? You'd think after that after a hospitalization, it would get, so it's something I still struggle with because I love to check things off a list. And so much of what we do, I feel is valued as productivity, that whole thing about we're not human doings, we're human beings, you know, all that stuff. And I think raw has certainly participating raw has been great for me because it puts structure in place for me to stop, to be intentional and to allow myself to deal with whatever's coming up. Whereas before I might think about it, it was a fleeting thought. And then I wouldn't, you know, now I'm sort of, I'm, I'm giving myself the space and I think I need that structure. So it informs me by knowing I need to do it. I'm not so great at doing it on my own. <laughs> so put the, put the structure in place hmm. so that I'll, so that I'll do that. Like the, the bumpers and the bumper. Line. Yeah. The bumpers in the line. The, exactly. Like try to put the bumpers in and also sort of like putting it on my calendar 
you know, I have the subscription, so I'm going to use it. And this is when I'm, you know, this is when someone's expecting me to be there. Right. I mean, it's, you know, from a, from their people that are, that think I'm going to show up kind of thing. So I think that's how putting the structure in place, because otherwise I tend, I have a tendency to go back to that. Just go, 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 go. Mm. And it's hard for me to relax sometimes. So I have to, I have to sort of build that in because if I don't, and then just like anything, I get resentful. I get, I'm not nice to be with, you know, I get really short tempered and I'm not a lot of fun. So like all of us. <laughs> right. That's how I know when I'm not at my, right. That's when I'm off kilter or off. And I've also learned like for me, sleep is parent. I mean, I, my husband can survive on five or six hours of sleep and be fine. I am not one of those people. And I've accepted that fact. And like yesterday, I had a rough night the night before, just got up several times between the dog and a late bedtime and an early wake up. And so I took a 30 minute nap in the middle of the day. Was that productive? No, but did it make the rest of my day better? And I had the flexibility that day to lay down from 1130 to 12 and it just made the day better. Whereas other, you know, my earlier life, I would say, oh, just keep going, keep going. It's okay. (laughs) You know how I feel about naps. I think they're strategic to success. I mean, because I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to be good at doing anything else. Right. Unless there's an emergency or unless I've obviously got to go pick up a kid or do something. I mean, it's okay. I'll be more productive if I take that time. But that was a hard lesson for me to learn. And I'm still having to be reminded of that. Well, I just really appreciate you sharing that story. And I've always appreciated that when you've when when I've heard it in the past, because it's one of those that it sucks when we hit our brick walls Yep, and it's a good reminder when we hear about other people hitting their brick walls to take, to take stock, like to stop and think about, okay, where, what am I doing right now? Um, And is this leading to a brick wall and how do I prevent that? Because I'm going to be in a world of hurt if I actually hit that brick wall. Right. And I think, I think, I don't know that there's a way to avoid the brick wall because I think sometimes we're slow learners. So I think many of us have to have a brick wall of some sort. The trick is hopefully what do we learn from that brick wall and how do we not repeat it? I think part of it is how do we make sure we, we don't, uh, how do we learn from that? But also I think from hearing from other people, it makes it okay for us to realize, okay, that your brick wall was different, but yet what I was going to say is a friend of mine um, um, hates going to the dentist. And yet she jokes about the fact that you think after five root canals, she would be better about her dental care. Right. And sometimes we just, we, and that's human. Right. So I think part of it is it's helpful to hear other stories so that, a, it maybe reminds us of our brick wall, or we take a nugget of that to avoid if we're on a path. So it's twofold, right? To um, I think to help, and it's therapeutic to talk about it because it helps me remember, you know, what that was like and takes me back to that. So yeah, absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. You know, I I know that you are in the process of writing your TEDx talk, and I know that you're like it's it's not done yet. I'm in process; it's not there yet. But I I kind of want us to talk about the process, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I think um, it's there was an opportunity here in the Lehigh Valley. Um, you know, 
And there were two things in the fall that I kind of put my name in the hat that I was really nervous about. One was a speaking at a women's conference and I thought, okay, why not? And I kind of put together a whole, you know, the short summary, but I didn't know, I didn't have, I didn't have a canned presentation for that because I wanted to stretch myself. So I thought here are two things I can do to stretch myself. One, I'm going to apply for this women's conference here. Oh, this would be a fun topic. Okay. And then I decided let's try for this TEDx talk. So um, I ended up getting both in the same week, which wow. was, or at least I, I got, an, I got uh, two things I need to say for the women's conference. They say, yeah, that'd be great. Can we get, um, can you, can we, because it's virtual, you know, because of COVID and everything, can you send us a video of your presentation in seven days? Um, that would be no, because first of all, <laughs> I haven't created the presentation yet. I mean, I know what it's going to be, but I didn't have the notes. It was, it was about a new assessment about mindset. And so that I believed in and loved, but I didn't know I hadn't delivered yet before. So holy crap, I've got it. So that was that. And then the TEDx was basically I had sent it in and I was asking for feedback on something and I had misspelled my email address. My email address is ridiculously long. I think it has, you know, the alphabet plus more. And I had misspelled that. So I hadn't gotten the feedback. I wanted the form and I hadn't got, I didn't have it. And the person wrote back and said, well, the only, the reason you don't have it is because you made this error and you misspelled your name. And so we, you, that's why you didn't receive it. And also most of what you've talked about is what everybody else talks about. There's one line in here that caught my attention. So if you want to ask, ask, answer another five questions, we'll maybe even consider it. So it wasn't, it's in the bag. You've been, you know, it wasn't, you know, open the envelope. You've been selected. No. And, um, and Lisa is my coach is wonderful. And we've had, we had several other sessions after that. And everyone I ended thinking, I don't know, am I, am I, I don't know. <laughs> and she even said she didn't know yet. She didn't think she said, you're not there yet. Ah, and there was originally a February deadline. And then because of COVID, everything got hmm. scratched, which was a benefit in my case, because if they had moved forward with recording in February, I would not have been included because I didn't have my information. I wasn't there yet. So it has been, um, she has been amazing about pulling more out. And she, she's, she has seen where she has great experience. She's been doing this for years and she's very gifted and she adores the whole TEDx process. So I have been, you know, she's been my Obi-Wan Kenobi and I've been just trying to follow the process and do that with her. So it's been very challenging. I've, I haven't had anything like that, that has been as challenging or has challenged me in that way as other things. So it's, it's been an, it's been an interesting, it's been fabulous. It's challenged me in ways that I never expected. And I'm still, you know, we're now we're, we've worked beyond the outline and now we're starting to pull things together. So we'll see, we'll see. I hope it, I hope it all comes together. Well, but it's been unexpected. I was sharing in a in a group in Raw, which you and I are in, and I was sharing that in the workshop that I took, they said that the gift of TED is not the giving the presentation. It's what you learn along the way. And I'm curious what you feel like you're, I know you're in it, so it might be hard to identify, but what are you learning so far in this process? I think that's a great question. And I would agree with the statement. And like you said, six months from now, I might be able to reflect and say more uh, and have a better answer. I think part of it is 
It's really forcing me to articulate what I think and believe in a way that I hadn't done before. When you know something sort of to your core or you just know something, you just know it. And I've had to explain it so that others will understand it in the same way. And that has been to take something that I know and just seems not obvious, but to to articulate it has been, that's been the biggest challenge for me. And also though, being willing to kind of just put myself out there and go for it. I think that's what has also been just a good reminder Mm. that because the talk has shifted from what it started, it has shifted, not completely, but it has definitely evolved. And I don't think without my coach's help, it would be anywhere near that. And so she has the gift to do that. So I think that's what I've learned is that I have this now, this new way to articulate what I know and believe, but in a way that I don't think was easy for anyone else to understand before now. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've told her, I told you this, you know, I finished my one hour call with her and she's brilliant and she just, and I'm exhausted in a good way. Cause I've just been, I tell her, I just feel like I've just, I've mounted the, I've mounted the crest and we're ready to go. And then we go back again and she takes me back up that mountain again. And dang it, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get over the mountain again. And I think, how is that possible? I didn't see that. And yet, so that's the only way I can describe it. It's sort of these peaks and valleys, all good, but just, I think I'm almost there. And then, oh yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. So we'll a, see. A lot of sisters rooting for you on this one. So. Well, you're sweet. Thank you. And I feel the love. Thank you. Good, 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 good. Well, what else would you like to share with everyone today? Gosh, I don't know. I just think um, I want to thank you for one of the things that I have come to appreciate so much is your ability to create space and the importance of creating space, which definitely goes into, you know, my lessons from my, you know, walls is that we have to create space for ourselves. We uh, certainly as women, we create it for everybody else. And regardless, and that whether you have family or not, you know, everybody has usually parents or siblings or other family and, um, or other other, I don't want to say distractions, but other responsibilities and things of that nature. So creating space and you are so gifted at doing that and helping us do that. I think it's nice too to get to a point, I'm 53 and I think turning 50 was awesome because there just comes, it starts in your forties maybe, but then your fifties, you really just have more of this freedom Mm -hmm. and, um, I feel like that combined with your guidance has been really helpful for me to, to, to really hone in on that. So, um, so thank you. That's, I think um, I love just what you're putting out there and the, and community is so important. I mean, I told you when I first joined raw last April, right after the pandemic started, I joined because I was in it. I mean, we've only lived here a couple of years and we weren't seeing anybody, you know, you weren't supposed to see anybody, even the person across the street or next door. And so you know, I, I didn't have, I had community, but I didn't have the, I didn't have as much community as I needed. And I was feeling with suddenly kids are at home, husband's at home. I'm used to working at home solo. I'm not used to having and a new puppy. It was just, I felt like my world was shrinking 
And I didn't have anything for myself. And so raw was a wonderful way to say, okay, for the next 60 minutes, this door behind me is closed. (laughs) Unless the building is on fire, you know, I am not to be interrupted. And that's really how it initially started was just to sort of have that. And then it became so much more Mm -hmm. of reflection, introspection, community of women sharing with one another. And so that's been really important too. We can't do this alone. We can't do life alone. It's too hard. And so community and creating space, I think, are two lessons that you've helped me identify and you're so gifted at creating both. So thank you so much for that. You know, it's funny you should say that because I feel like, so I've done now 10 interviews as of this morning on failure is a sacred right. And the message that I ha- I'm getting hit over the head with from the people I'm interviewing is when I ask about what's your process for like honoring failure or processing the failure once it's happened so that you can move forward in a successful way right. so that you can transmute that experience into the fuel that will propel you into success. The number one thing folks are saying is I lean on my my community or I found the right community. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting that, and of course, like allowing yourself to feel the feelings, but that's funny that that's coming back up. It's our, you know, and, and in the positive psychology world, um, Chris Peterson, the founder of positive psychology summed up the entire body of work of positive psychology in three words. He said, other people matter. Yeah. And so it's like, we matter to other people and Mm -hmm. other people's support matters to us. And that that interdependency, not codependency, but that interdependency on one another is powerful life force. I I totally agree. And I don't think I, I, I think, you know, moving to a new community was also really helpful to see that because I had lived in Greensboro for 25 years. So I had community. I mean, I'd created community. I had community. It was all around. And to, to know that you can create community um, no matter where you're planted. Right. But that it does take maybe a little intention and a little, you know, you have to go find what lights you up and where the, where the doors are, right? And you have to knock on some doors, some doors aren't going to open. Okay. And then you find the doors that do and spend your time on those instead of trying to just keep knocking on the other ones. So community, I think that was also a blessing of our move was to, to see which communities were important that I already had and then building new ones. Um, Because some communities you have out of obligation or out of a sense uh, or a sense of obligation, whether you, whether there's a formal obligation or not, you might feel an obligation, right? An expectation. And so, you know, I came up here, I didn't, I knew one other person. So there was no, I didn't worry about going to the grocery store because I don't know, see anybody I knew. That was okay. Whereas when you've been in a community for 25 years, you could almost guarantee that if you went to the grocery store, you, it was rare that I didn't see somebody I knew, right? And sometimes there's freedom and being anonymous. Absolutely. All right. My last question for you is how do you live a life of abundance? You know, I think it really, and so simple, but it just comes down to gratitude and just trying to have a grateful mindset. Cause when, even when things are dark, there's, there's always something, at least so far in my life, there's never been a, a lowest low that I couldn't find one thing to be grateful for. And that's a way 
to get back to whatever it is. So I think just gratitude and trying to be so grateful and to, and to be and to be mindful as much as possible. And that's a constant journey. I have certainly not arrived, but the reminder to try to be present and mindful helps. Liz Summers, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, Alicia, it was my privilege and honor. And thank you so much. I love this time with you. Likewise. A huge thank you to you for tuning in today. Let's do it again next week. In the meantime, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you enjoyed today's show and know another woman who needs to hear this episode too, could you share it with her right now? Just text her the link and be sure to let her know why this episode is a must listen. Remember, sharing is caring, so spread the love. Thank you so much for being a part of this Yoke and Abundance community. I do it all for you. I hope these episodes make you feel seen, heard, and loved. Now, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Fike Co. Thank you to Ira Sterling of Julia Sound Recording for our theme music. And thank you to my editor, to Monty Johnson of FX Media for his work on today's episode. Keep creating, making, and sharing it with the world because that is true abundance. <laughs>